Well, if you have your Bibles tonight, uh, let's go over to the book of First Kings. The title I, I chose tonight is Choose Success. I want to preach on prayer tomorrow night. Uh, Sunday morning will be on a prodigal, uh, if you have a prodigal child. And, uh, and then on uh, the main session, we'll talk about loving God. I think everyone wants to be successful. If I asked you tonight, how many of you want to be a loser? I don't know anyone that would raise their hand and say, I want to be a loser. And uh, if you remember the Mighty Ducks, you know, do you, do you like losing? Well, not at first, but once we got used to it, it wasn't that bad. And uh, I think that there's a lot of Christians that are used to losing. And, and we've gotten used to it. And now that we've gotten used to it, it's really not that bad. Uh, but I believe that you can choose success. But I also believe we have to define success, right? And uh, there's a statement in our uh, building on campus that says, life is choices, choices have consequences, make right choices. If you make bad choices, whose fault is that? Have you ever heard someone say, the devil made me do it? I don't think that's really true. If you're not a good husband tonight, whose fault is that? Say, well, if you knew who I was married to, you'd understand. If you're not a good wife tonight, say, well, boy, if you knew who I was married to, you'd understand. If you're not a good parent tonight, well, if you saw my kids, you'd understand. I would challenge you tonight that every one of those things can be changed. Would you agree with me tonight? If you're struggling with pornography, whose fault is that? If you're not reading your Bible, whose fault is that? If you're not serving in your local church, whose fault is that? And the reality is, it's your choice. God gave you a choice. That's the way God made it. I have three kids of my own. I wish I could be the Holy Spirit to them. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know how they should live their life. I know the choices they should make. But that's not my role. I can't make my kids. That's what we believe in Baptist, right? Individual soul liberty, I. But what choices we make are very important. People in the Bible are recognized for their choices. Lot chose all the plain. The Bible says, Genesis 13, 11. That didn't work out too good for him. Joshua, choose you this day whom you will serve. Joshua 24, 15. Goliath, choose you a man from you and let him come down to me. I wonder if he ever regrets that opportunity. <laughs> He'd have beaten everybody but the one guy who took him on, right? If he had just said, I'm taking you, I need a one. But he says, hey, you choose. And God says, perfect. <laughs> I got a guy who can take you on. Elijah, how long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. The Bible says, and the people answered him, not a word. They had to make a choice. And I would challenge you tonight, you and I have to make choices all the time. And we can't live on the good choices of the past. If you're in sales and you had an incredible year, 10 years ago, and you haven't sold anything since, and the owner of the company comes and says, we got a problem. Uh, we're going to have to let you go. And you're like, what? I mean, come on, look at this plaque. Salesman of the year 10 years ago. And he's like, well, that's awesome, but you haven't sold anything in the last 10 years. Yeah, but 10 years ago, I was salesman of the year. You know, there's some Christians who 10 years ago were really on fire for God. 10 years ago, they cared about lost people. 10 years ago, they had a good marriage. 10 years ago, they were really good parents. But where are you at tonight? 
And the good news is tonight, you can always make another good choice. It's never too late with God. But if you're here in 1 Kings chapter 3, let's look at someone who was given a pretty incredible choice. And this is Solomon. In 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 5, and at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what shall I give you? And Solomon said, You've shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and uprightness of heart with you. You've continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people, whom you have chosen a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. You know what God said? Blank check. Solomon, what do you want? And you know, really, we all have a blank check. We get to choose what success is. Is success to you financial this, this evening? Is success a great marriage? Is success every one of my kids is doing great? Or is success saying, I want to, I want to have a walk with God. But you choose what success is tonight. And I, and I want to harp on that a little bit. But what pleased the Lord is that when Solomon is choosing success, Solomon doesn't say, I want to be wealthy. Solomon doesn't say, I want to have a great army. Solomon says, when I want to talk about success, I need wisdom. Give me an understanding heart. The speech pleased the Lord. Verse 11, Then God said to him, Because you've asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself an understanding to discern justice, behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Then Solomon awoke. God puts this very small exception clause. Solomon, I'll do all of this as long as you keep doing right. Solomon, you're going to have to keep making right choices. Let's open a word of prayer this evening. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here. Lord, I thank you for uh, just these two men who have greatly impacted and invested in my own life. And God, what a privilege to be here serving together. And God, we just thank you for a time to get away uh, with uh, our friends, fellow believers in our church, and have a great weekend of fellowship, but also a great time in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. By the way, when Daco said that, our church also did family camp. And very, except we had a lake, not corn. Uh, so, uh, so we, uh, we had a family camp, but we'd all haul our trailers and uh, did this exact same thing. And uh, and it was a great time for our church people. Our kids grew up loving it. They loved family camp because they just loved getting together. And it was a really great thing for us. But choosing success. Knowledge is the learning of facts. Wisdom is knowing how to use those facts in every situation. Character is making the right choice when your peers would never know. Which of these is most important for your children? Is it important that they have knowledge? Is it important that they have wisdom? Or is it important that they have character? 
Probably it's one of the most important decisions you make as a parent. Someone said parenting is a relay race. I have three children, and if you ever watch someone pass the baton, we just had the Olympics. And you have a certain time frame when you have to put that baton in that person's hand. If you cross the line and you don't have the baton, you're disqualified. I work at a college. Every year, parents drop off freshmen. And you know what every parent says? Those 18 years went like that. And those parents cry all the way home, and those kids are on our campus crying for three days. If you ever had cows, it's like separating the cows from the cows, you know, three days of bawling. And uh, everyone's sad. You know what those parents go? Man, it felt like yesterday I was holding that child. And so if that goes that quickly, which it does, then how important is it that we make right choices? And how important is that we define what success is? If if you have a, a son and he knows how to build it, kill it, or fix it, but he doesn't know how to read his Bible every day, would you define that as success? If he gets a great job and he makes great money, but he doesn't go to church, as a parent, would you say, man, that is a success? You have to define what success is. If you hear investments, what if? Over the past 50 years, Warren Buffett has emerged as arguably the greatest inventor of American history. If you'd invested 10000 in Berkshire Hathaway when he took control in 1964, your holdings would be more than, worth more than $60 million today. But about that same time, we're five guys who are trying to reach the Aka Indians. I want you to ask the question tonight, which of these two has made the best investment? These five guys or Warren Buffett? Ed McCulley, born and raised in Milwaukee. His father worked for a bakery, attended Wheaton College, six foot two, 190 pounds, outstanding athlete. Majored in business and economics, excellent speaker, student, senior, class president. Attended Marquette Law School at 24. He married and had two children over the next three years. At 25, he left Marquette to join his team in Ecuador. His wife was eight months pregnant on January 8, 1956. This is what he said. As we weigh the future and seek the will of God, does it seem right that we should hazard our lives for just a few savages? If God would grant us the vision, the word sacrifice would disappear from our lips and thoughts. We would hate the things that seem dear to us. Our lives would suddenly be too short. We would, be despi- we would despise time-robbing distractions and charge the enemy with all our energies in the name of Christ, Ed McCulley. Does this seem like a bygone era to you? Do you read that and go, man, where are the Christians like that anymore? Have you ever been around new believers? God allowed Joan and I to be in a church of all new believers. Man, new believers are like this. New believers, they're fired up. They're excited, man. You put a sign-up list on the back. New believers, who signs up first? New Christians or old Christians? New Christians, right? I could say I was going to sneeze on Thursday night. The new Christians would show up. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) I don't know what else he's going to do, but he's sneezing on Thursday. We better show up, honey. we got to be there. You know what the old Christians say? He'll learn. But you got to choose success. Choices have to be made. Choices have consequences. And right or wrong, those choices will mark you. Pete Fleming, born and raised in Seattle, accepted Christ at age 13 after hearing a blind evangelist. Graduated at the top of his school class, majored in philosophy at the University of Washington, earned a master's degree in literature at 24, went with his friend Jim Elliott to Ecuador. 26, he married his childhood sweetheart, had two children over the next two years. Pete Fleming said this, 
Lord has been leading my meditation the stringent statements of Christ regarding discipleship, especially those words of Christ to his disciples before he sent them out. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. I've been directed to these and similar passages again and again. I should like to put these truths to the utmost test. Seemingly, God delights in many instances to place men in situations that magnify their weaknesses for the simple delight of showing themselves strong to all observers. Pete Fleming. By the way, Pete Fleming's brother lives uh, up over in, Dav- in uh, Davenport, and I've had the privilege of talking to him, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Roger Yoderin, born a ranch in Sumatra, Montana, crippled with polio at age nine, attended Montana State College for two years, joined the Army in 1943, paratrooper at the Battle of the Bulge, graduated from Northwestern, a degree in education, married at age 27, then had two children. At age 29, left for Ecuador. Investment plan, I'll die to self. I'll begin to ask God to put me in a service of constant circumstances where to live Christ, I must die to self. I'll be alive unto God that I may learn to love him with all my heart, mind, soul, and body. Nate Saint. Nate was the pilot of the group. Born in Philadelphia, his father worked in a glass factory. Avid pilot, learned to fly in high school, served in the Army Air Corps in World War II, was forced to leave due to a leg injury, personally devastating to him. Married, uh, majored in missions at Wheaton, married at age 25, and then had three children. His investment plan, people who do not know the Lord ask why in the world we waste our lives as missionaries. They forget that they too are expending their lives. When the bubble has burst, they will have nothing of eternal significance to show for the years they have wasted. Jim Elliott, the most famous of the five, born in Portland, Oregon, and a pastor's home, accepted Christ at age six, outspoken Christian in high school, majored in Greek at Wheaton, protested the requirement to take general classes due to their silliness, journaled extensively, married Elizabeth at age 26, had one daughter. Investment plan, we are so utterly ordinary, so commonplace, while we profess to know a power the 20th century does not reckon with, but we are harmless and therefore unharmed. We are spiritual pacifists, non-militants, conscientious objectors in this battle to the death with principalities and powers in high places. Meekness must be had for contact with men, but brass outspoken boldness is required to take part in the comradeship of the cross. We are sideliners, coaching and criticizing the real wrestlers while content to sit by and leave the enemies of God unchallenged. The world cannot hate us. We are too much like its own. Oh, that God would make us dangerous. What a great statement. January 3rd, they established Palm Beach outposts in the Curare River. January 4th and 5th, they dropped gifts to the Aka Indians. They would fly over the plain. They'd drop gifts on the beach. They would saw that the Aka Indians would pick those up and take them. January 6th, three Akas, Akas visited Palm Beach. They actually landed on the beach. Three of them came and talked with them, and they felt, hey, this is going really well. January 7th, the Akas disappeared. January 8th, 12.30 p.m., radio contact with the wives waiting until 4.30 p.m. for Akas. They had made a decision. Obviously, you saw several of these men fought in World War II. They had weapons. They made a decision that should they get attacked, they would not shoot an Aka Indian. They said, we'll fire in the air. And uh, they did find that one round had been uh, fired uh, when they found the bodies. But if you know the story, no radio contact. They don't come in at 4.30. The wives realize something has gone terribly wrong. They call the British military. The British go in, and as they are flying in on their first time, they see two bodies floating in the river. All five of these men were hacked to death. I talked to Pete Fleming's brother, who lives up in Davenport. He was over in Africa and got a cable from his dad, your brother's dead. And I said, well, 
I've always wondered, do you ever know what happened? And he said, yeah, actually, he said there was two Aka Indians, guy and girl, they weren't supposed to be dating. They went out, they had sex, and to cover it up, they said that she got attacked by the missionaries. And so all the men of the village came out and attacked these five and killed them. January 8th at 3.12 p.m., 10 Akas murder Roger, Pete, Ed, Nate, and Jim. Life magazine, January 3rd, a 10-page article, Go Ye and Preach the Gospel, Five Do and Die. Two years later, Rachel Saint and Betty Elliot move into the Aka village. Kathy and Steve Saint were baptized at Palm Beach by the Aka. Nine years later, when the first copies of the Gospel of Mark were translated, Kimo, who had a privilege of meeting, prayed, Father God, you are alive. This is your day, and all of us have come to worship you. They brought us copies of your carving, enough for everyone. We accepted, saying, this is the truth. We want all of your carving. This entire village comes to Christ. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls on the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it brings much fruit. He that loves his life loses it. He that hates his life in this world should keep it unto life eternal. My wife loves the garden. You ever get those packet of seeds? If the packet of seeds stay in the packet, that's all it'll ever be. But if you put that seed in the ground and it dies, it will produce a lot more fruit. And the, I, I agree with Nate saying, we're not dangerous anymore. We're not having impact. You know why? We want to stay in the packet. I don't know what you think about what's happening in Afghanistan, but our brothers and sisters in Christ are being hunted down and murdered in Afghanistan. And we have incredible freedom, but who do we tell? And it really comes down to choices tonight. Who made the better investment? Warren Buffett or Jim Elliott? You know, Warren Buffett, it's going to be gone when he's gone. Jim Elliott invested for an eternity. And of course, you probably know the phrase, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Every one of us has a choice to make, and if you're making wrong choices, you already know it. I probably don't have to list every sin tonight. As you're sitting here, if your marriage isn't right, you've fooled everyone, you've fooled the pastor and his wife, you, you know how to look good on Sunday, but you're a train wreck. You know what's going on at home. You know what's going on when you get on the Internet. Are you making right choices? You know your temper. You know what happens at work when no one else knows what's happening at work. Have you ever had someone say, I'd go to church except for what? The Christians I know. Sadly, that's a real thing. And I would just challenge you tonight that if you're making wrong choices, you have a choice tonight. You can say, I'm going to just keep going down this path or I'm going to take this weekend and recalibrate. You know what recalibrating is? It's getting things back where they should be. If you ever play a piano, it goes out of tune and you have to bring in a tuner and he gets it back to where it needs to be. I think an interruption. I'm going to a funeral. You know what funerals are? Divine interruptions. They interrupt our lives. Gives us a chance to calibrate. Family camp. Man, it's a great time to get away. Great time of fellowship. But also a great chance to recalibrate. Say, am I going to keep making right choices? There's three things about choices that I want to say quickly and then we're going to illustrate it through Scripture. Number one, right choices must be made. You have to have, you have a choice tonight. You have to decide, am I going to make a right choice or not? And I would say the more important the choice, the more important it is to get it right. Would you agree with that tonight? You only have your kids 18 years. How important is it to get that right? 
Are you just going to wing it? Are you going to are you going to do your parenting style like IKEA? <laughs> and if you've never been to IKEA, bless, praise God for that. But if you get into IKEA, you cannot get out. It's a terrible store, and it's got a bazillion parts. And every good guy, you don't need to look at the instructions. Just look at the picture and put it together, right? Except then you have all these extra parts left over, and you're like, why did they send me so many extra parts? Well, they didn't. Those are supposed to be in there somewhere. And you come out and say, man, I got to read the directions. And you know how many of us, we're not in God's Word, and so we're winging it in our marriages, we're winging it in parenting, and that's really the choice we made. And then choices have consequences. And so number one, right choices have to be made, and the more important the choice, the more important it is to get it right. Secondly, right choices must be maintained. Just because you made a good choice 10 years ago, what are you doing today? If you follow this path, Solomon makes an incredible right choice. God gives him incredible wisdom. You know the story. Uh, there's two women and a baby dies in the middle of the night. And they each had a baby. The lady switched it in the middle of the night. And she comes and he says, this baby is mine. And they're both claiming the baby's theirs. And so the, the issue comes to Solomon. How are we going to solve this? And Solomon says, I'll tell you what, bring me a sword. Cut the baby in half. You each get a half. And the one mother who's truly the mother says, oh, no, 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 no. She can have the baby. And Solomon says, that's the mom. And everyone was like, whoa. (laughs) You have to really know Hebrew to get that. But it's like, whoa, (laughs) wow. How in the world is he that smart? And the queen of Sheba comes and she's overwhelmed at his wisdom. God gives him incredible wisdom. He builds the temple. God comes down a second time. And God says, I'll dedicate the temple, but Solomon, you better never walk away from me. Solomon, right choices have to be maintained. Solomon, you're making really good choices, and as long as you make good choices, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to be with you, but the minute you start making bad choices, it's going to be bad for you. Right choices have to be made. Number two, right choices have to be maintained. But number three, right or wrong, whatever choices you make, they will mark you. How many of you know of a guy named Ravi Zacharias? Okay. Do you think positively or negatively today? Negatively. But a year ago, would you have thought positively or negatively? Did Ravi do a lot of good things for the cause of Christ? I believe he did. But was he also not what he thought, whatever we all thought he was? So what do we remember? You remember the failure. Right or wrong, your choices will mark you. And when it comes out that he had been a fraud for a long time, and for a long time he got away with it, but, I mean, even his books are being pulled now. you got to make right choices. They have to be maintained, but right or wrong, they will mark you. Education is always expensive. I work in a place of higher education. It's always expensive. If you learn the hard way, is that expensive? And I have some people say, you know what, I want them to go to a cheap school. <laughs> and uh, But they go into a cheap school and they meet a lot of bad friends. And those friends influence them. Do you think there's some parents that said, I wish I'd have spent a little few more dollars and sent them to a Christian school? I think so. It's weird how we spend all this money getting them through high school and then at 18 we're like, hey, good luck, go wherever you want. That's actually not in my notes. That's just bonus tonight. But 
You'll be known for the choices that you make tonight. So what is success to you? What is it really? When you think of your kids and what you want for your kids, is it a walk with God? My dad used to tell me all the time, and I don't know, ditch digger used to be a deal back in the day, and he used to say, Jim, I don't care if you're a ditch digger as long as you love God. That's all he cared about. He pounded that into me. Jim, I don't care what you do. As long as you love God, I'll be proud of you. As long as you love God, I'll love you. God has been blessing faith incredibly. I'll call my dad and tell him about it, and he'll always say, Jim, never forget God did that, not you. Thanks, Dad. A good reminder. Because it's true, right? And you got to keep making right choices. We all know people that had a good marriage, but they're not together anymore. What happened? Somewhere along the line, they stopped making good choices. We had a family camp just like this, and we camped out just like this. A guy in my church up in Canada, all just tons of new believers, amazing, awesome, fun ministry. This guy says, Pastor Jim, I need to come in and talk to you. I said, well, we're going to be at family camp next week. He called me on a Friday. We're going to family camp on Monday. I said, how about we just talk at family camp? He says, that would be great. We get out to family camp. There's a picnic table. I said, hey, let's sit at the picnic table and talk. He says, oh, no, I'm not here. We need to talk in your truck. He's like, okay. So we hop in my truck and he says, uh, Pastor Jim, I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm having an affair. This is a guy that's helping in our youth group and I've been in our church five years. It's like, oh, well, who knows? Just you. Perfect. <laughs> and what am I supposed to do with this information? I need you to come and tell my wife. I'm not, I'm not telling your wife. He said, no, you got to tell my wife. He says, I, I want to get right with God. And I said, man, you should have come to my office last Friday. Like, if it was this kind of a deal, like, we're at family camp. we got trailers. Like, there's no privacy at a family camp, right? I said, I'll tell you what, we get back on Friday. You're going to call that girl. We'll speak your phone from my office. You end it with her. And then we'll go talk to your wife on Monday. And he did. He came in Saturday, put him on speaker phone in my office, called the lady up, said, I'm... I'm a Christian, been a terrible testimony, I'm in sin, uh, I have to, I can never see you again, I'm done, and I have to live for God. Hung up the phone. I said, well, what time are you going to want me to come over? He says, how about 8 o'clock on Monday night? I assumed that he told his wife I was coming. He did not. I showed up and she was out working out. So I got there before she was, and he and I are sitting in the living room, and then she came in from the gym. She walks in the living room and she sees her pastor, which she never sees, sitting in the living room. Oh, hi, Pastor Jim. I said, well, hi. And then he immediately started crying. And he just kept crying. I said, your husband has something to tell you. So she looks at him and he can't get it together. If you walk in and your husband starts crying and your pastor's there, you know what she thought? Somebody died. She's like, who died? I said, nobody's died. He needs to tell you something. He could not pull it together. And then she started freaking out. Are the kids okay? Yes, the kids are okay. Is it my mom and dad? No, your mom and dad are okay. It's, and then finally I had to tell her. I said, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but your husband's not, he, he wants to get right, but he's made a lot of bad choices. He's been having an affair. He ended it on Saturday and he wants to beg your forgiveness. And Joan and I want to work with you in counseling. And I said, what I found is if God works, he'll be glad no one else but us knows. So I said, give it three months. If he doesn't change in three months, tell the world. But for now, just keep it between us. And she said, okay. Acted very calm. 
I said, here's my wife's phone number. You can call her anytime. I lived 15 minutes away from them. By the time I got to my house, she had broken everything you could break in her house. Cut herself open, asked my wife to meet her at the hospital to get stitched up. I walk in the door. I hadn't told Joan anything about this yet. And of course she filled in and she started working with Joan. You know, God put that marriage back together. And every year on the anniversary, we get a note. But I promise you, he wishes he'd never made those choices. Right choices have to be made, but they have to be maintained. And whatever choices you make, right or wrong, they will mark you. Let me give you three examples, one secular and two from the Bible. Number one, the Titanic. Remember the Titanic? The Titanic was billed as the unsinkable ship. Left Southampton on April 10th, 1912 with 2,224 passengers and crew. She had advanced safety features such as watertight compartments and remotely activated watertight doors. She only had enough lifeboats for 1,178 people, however. A thousand people short for lifeboats. On April 14th at 1140, she hit an iceberg that put a 300-foot gash flooding five of her 16 compartments. Now, those watertight compartments are great, but when you rip too many of them open, that's a big problem. She sank in two and a half hours. Only 705 people survived. 1,517 people died that night. There were no binoculars on the ship, and they were traveling too fast for conditions. They were warned there's icebergs. But because no one had brought binoculars, they're just trying to just see with their eyes. Many lifeboats did not leave at capacity. And we all look at that and say, what a tragedy. But that tragedy was because people made bad choices. We had a storm that came down and took down a tree. It looked great, but it was totally rotted out on the inside. And I would just challenge you, as I travel and I meet in a lot of churches, there's a lot of people who go to church on Sunday that are making bad choices. And you can't blame the devil. You can't blame your spouse. You can't blame your kids. At some point, you have to say, I'm responsible for the choices I'm making. And I have to start making right choices. Number two, Samson. Samson was the strongest man. He was always picked first on any sports team. At least that's my opinion of what happened as he grew up. God gave him incredible strength to be a judge for the nation of Israel. The Philistines hated him, and so they decided they were going to kill Samson. They sent a thousand guys. These are guys with armor, shield, spear. And they catch Samson out in the open. Samson looks around. All he can find is the jawbone of a donkey. It's a thousand to one with guys who are geared up and weaponized. And you have a bone. I mean, if you're a betting person, I don't care how strong the dude is. I mean, most people guy, he's going to die. And it's certainly what the Philistines thought. He's going to die. And if you know the story, he kills a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Unbelievable. I mean, crazy strength. I mean, Hulk-like strength. But he keeps making bad choices. He keeps hanging out with ungodly women. And he decides to spend a night with an ungodly woman. And some of the Philistines find out that he's in this town. And they surround the town and say, we're going to kill him in the morning. We're going to get Samson. Somehow news comes into town and says, Samson, the Philistines have surrounded the town. They're going to kill you in the morning. Samson says, no problem. Gets up in the middle of the night, grabs the gate, yanks it out of the ground, carries it up, drops it on top of a hill. Have a nice day. And these Philistines are like, this guy is unbelievable. 
And he starts dating another unsaved girl that he shouldn't be with. Bad choice after bad choice after bad choice. You know what Samson's thinking at this point? I'm making bad choices and it's working out. And and, and let me challenge every believer, Satan will let you think the same thing. Have you ever gone fishing and that fish bites? Did you ever set the hook but then let it go out a while? You think they're getting away. I'm I'm a big moose hunter. I, I shot a moose every year. And I got really good at call. I make the sound of a female cow because I go during the rut. And if you know what the rut means, the bull moose has lost his mind, right? He just wants to be with female moose. So I make the call of a female moose. That bull's thinking one thing. I'm thinking something totally different. You know what I'm talking about? That bull has one thing on his mind. I have one thing on my mind. And the thing on my mind is I want to kill him. And everyone I shot, they made a bad choice. But have you ever worked with an old bull? An old bull will try and win you. An old bull will be like, something isn't quite right here. And you'll hear moose make a ton of noise. They don't walk around very many things. They walk through stuff. And you hear that old bull and he's, he's starting to circle you. What is he trying to do? He's trying to, he's trying to wind you. And so you're going to have to move if you're going to try and stay ahead of him. And you can shoot an old bull. But but there are there are wise bulls who say, hey, this something's not right. And I would just challenge you, too many Christians are making poor choices. Samson makes a poor choice. Dating this girl, Delilah. Philistines come to Delilah and say, hey, listen, we will pay you big money to find out the secret to his strength. She loves him so much, she says, no problem, I'll be happy to do that. So she has Samson come over and she says, hey, big guy, you're so strong. You're so handsome. What's the secret to your strength? He says, well, Delilah, I don't really tell a lot of people about this, but if you tie me up in new bowstrings, I'm as weak as a kitten. She puts him to sleep, wakes him up the next morning. He's tied up in new bowstrings and she wakes him up. Samson, the Philistines are here. He wakes up, breaks the bowstrings, take care of business. Now, if you had a brain cell that was connecting, would it cross your mind? I'm not sure she likes me. (laughs) I never wake up in bowstrings. That is so weird. And then I never wake up with bowstrings and bad guys. What a combination. That never, what a bad morning. That's never happened before. And she starts crying. Samson, please tell me the secret to your, well, Delilah, you gotta keep this to yourself. You can't leak this out. Well, honestly, you tie me up in new ropes. You put me in new ropes. I'm weak as a kid. And she puts him to sleep. She ties him up in new ropes. Samson, the Philistines are here. He wakes up, breaks new ropes, takes care of the bad guys. If you have two brain cells that connect, I mean, what are you doing? And he stays with this girl. And he gets closer to the truth. She pleads, please tell me the truth. Please tell me the secret of your strength. And he gets closer and he says, well, if you weave my hair in seven locks, I'll be weak as a kitten. I mean, I don't even have hair. But if you're a girl and you you go to bed without your hair in braids and you wake up in seven braids, something weird happened during the middle of the night, right? Samson wakes up, he has, he went to bed without any braids, he wakes up, he has seven braids in his hair. And again, bad guys. And he takes care of business. And this time the Bible says it takes her longer, because now he's, he's, sin makes you dumb. I say that to our college students all the time. Sin makes you dumb. And as, as it's getting closer, he gets closer to the truth, and finally he says, hey, the truth is I have a Nazarite vow, and if you shave all of my hair, I'll be as weak as a kid. And she calls the police and says, I got the answer. You know, they were tired of getting beat up too, right? Are you sure you got the answer this time? Yeah, I got the answer. 
They shave off all of his hair. And the Bible says he went out before and did not realize that the power of the Lord had departed from him. In fact, the Bible says on the last day when the bad guys are there, they're in his bedroom. You ever wake up in your bedroom and someone's there that shouldn't be there? It'll freak you out. The bad guys are in the bedroom. Samson, the Philistines are here. And they take him and they're so mad that they pluck out his eyes and they blind them. If you've been to Israel, if you ever go to Nazareth Village, it's a fascinating place to visit. And you'll see this, how they would grind the grain is they had a big uh, concrete tub. They'd fill it with grain and they have a big stone wheel with a bean that would come out of it. And a cow would just go round and round. And as it rubbed on those things, it would break up the grain. And that they said, why use a cow when we have a Samson? And they strapped Samson to this thing, and day after day after day, Samson walked around and around and around until the Bible says he came to himself. And there came a day when he said, God, I am so sorry. God, I've made bad choice after bad choice after bad choice. God, would you please forgive me? And let me challenge every believer in this room, God will forgive you. It's never too late to make a good choice. And now there's consequences. You make bad choices. You didn't get his sight back. Our bad choices have consequences. That's why if you're here tonight and you're a believer, you've got to start making right choices. But he says, God, would you give me my strength back one last time? And he said, sure. And he said, hey, let's make fun of Samson. They brought him in. Little boy, let him in. If you ever watch soccer games, he says, the little boy, take me to the main pillar of this building. You know, they're making fun of him, throwing stuff. Hey, Samson, look out. Oh, you can't. Ha, 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 ha. And he gets by that main pillar and he prays one prayer. And the Bible says he pushes that beam out. And the Bible says more people die that night than all of his years as a judge. That means thousands and thousands of people died that night, but so did he. Right or wrong, your choices will mark you. When you think of Samson, what do you think of? Often when you think of David, what do you think of? David and Goliath or David and Bathsheba, right? And it's not the devil's fault tonight. It's, it's our choice. Whether you read your Bible or not, it's your choice. You've got to make the right choice. And though he had this incredible strength, he wasted it. But lastly, we see Solomon. First Kings 3, he makes a great choice. But go over to First Kings chapter 11, verse 4. The Bible says, For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. And Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and did not fully follow the Lord, as did his father David. And Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill of that is the east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. You remember what Molech is like? Molech was an iron god with open hands that held out like this, and the back of it was completely hollowed out. And they would fill that full of wood, and they'd heat it up until those hands were red hot. And they would take babies and put those on those red hot hands and burn babies alive to the god of Molech. Who built that? Solomon. I want to challenge you tonight. All of us are one decision away from ruining our life. And you and I are going to have to make right choices, but you have to maintain right choices, and right or wrong, your choices will mark you. 
And I, I travel America. It's a unique thing that as a college president, when I was a pastor, I was wondering what happens in other churches and I get to travel quite a bit. I'm in a lot of churches that do not have a heart for God. They're not willing to make these choices. They would pick Warren Buffett any day of the week. They maybe wouldn't say it, but that's how they live their life. A lot of church people don't read their Bible. We tell our seminary students, read long passages on Sunday because that's the most Bible anyone's read during the week. A lot of our marriages are not what God wants them to be. A lot of men spend too much time working. I've been there. And then when you finally have time, when you have whatever you discern as success, the kids don't want any time with you because you ignored them all growing up. And when you get teenagers and they come in, I've never had a teenager that always came when it was opportune time. When you're super busy or you're super tired and, and you just want to crash and, hey, can I talk to you? You know what your answer needs to be? Yes. Yes, let's talk. came to pass, Solomon was old. His wives turned his heart away after other gods. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. A purposeful life is a result of good choices. Success is the result of good choices. And I have to model good choices and train our children to make good choices. I would say this too, and I'm just finishing. If you quit when it's hard, what does that tell our kids? Anybody can do that. But you've got to hang in there when it's hard. That's the good example to your kids. As you look at this statement, he's no fool who gives what he cannot keep. You can't keep your life. We're all going to die to gain what you cannot lose. If you invest in heaven and eternal things, that's what will matter. Whether you go to heaven or hell is your choice. God leaves that up to you. Whether you serve in a local church is your choice. Whether you walk with, you're as close to God tonight as you want to be. (laughs) Because it's your choice. Your pastor can't make you. I say to our college students all the time, I can't make you walk with God. I can't make you care about each other. I want you to. I want you to live for God, but I can't make you do that. And at some point, we got to own our choices. I'm going to give you a little quiz. If you know the answer, it's, it's not bad. I'm not trying to trick you or set you up. How many of you can name the five wealthiest people in the world? Raise your hand. You know the five wealthiest people in the world today? Raise your hand. Nobody. Guys, be careful on this one. How many of you can name the last three Miss America contest winners? Maybe one. Okay, maybe one. How many of you can name five people who have won a Nobel or Pulitzer Prize? By the way, it's it's fine to know the answers to these. Okay, we have one, maybe two, three. Three in the room. How many of you can name the last three Academy Award winners for Best Actor and Best Actress? Nobody. How many of you can name the last five World Series winners? One. Okay, how about what really matters? The Stanley Cup. How many of you know who won the Stanley Cup? Oh, you're, you're, you're breaking my heart tonight. That's very disappointing. What's the point? The point is this is what the world says is success. You know what everyone in this room says? You don't care. These are the best of the best. These are the wealthiest, the most beautiful, the smartest, uh, the most talented, the most athletic. 
And everyone in this room said, we don't care. You know, Tiger Woods was a freak athlete, but he had no character. You may have all of this. You know what everyone says? We don't care. Let me take another quiz. How many of you named five teachers who aided your journey through school? Put your hand up. Five teachers. Let's put them way up just so we can really see. Like, like you want to be first in line. All right, there you go. All right, lots of you. How many of you can name three friends who helped you through a difficult time? Raise your hand. Hands all over the room. How many of you can name three pastors who taught you something worthwhile? Put your hand up. Don't hurt your pastor's feeling, by the way. All right. How many of you can name five people who made you feel appreciated and special? Put your hand up. Hands all over the room. How many of you can think of five people you enjoy spending time with? Put your hand up. If you can't put your hand up, you need to make some friends this weekend, all right? (laughs) Why is that so different? Because the people who make a difference in our life are not the ones with the most credentials, the most money, or the most awards. They're the people who care. There are people who made a choice. And the world says, no, pursue wealth, pursue beauty, pursue talent, pursue athletics. And you know what everyone in this room says? We don't care. But you know what? None of us forget the people who made a difference in our life. And I would challenge you, you have to make a choice tonight. Am I going to live for God or not? I read these statements of these five men. I'm at a Christian college and I challenge our guys and Christians here tonight. I saw him working out at camp. We're out in Arizona or uh, California, a hundred plus degrees, and they made these guys work, and they just worked all day in hundred degree heat. Great attitudes. We saw fifteen kids get saved that week at that camp, and I believe all of us working together—that's God's plan. But it's your choice tonight. And everything that Daco is going to say, anything that I'll say this week, we can't make you make a right choice. We can't make you do right. Works of God. We can't make you write down works of God. We can't make you read your Bible. It's your choice. But just like all those people I started with tonight, Lot chose all the plain. Choose you this day whom you will serve, Joshua twenty four fifteen. Goliath, choose a man for you and let him come down to me. Elijah, how long halt you between two opinions? And I would just leave with you tonight, if God be God, choose him. But if you're going to choose him tonight, then you're going to have to follow through. There's a lot of people who say they're on God's team, but they're not reading God's instructions. They're not living like a Christian. And God says faith without works is what? It's dead. It's worthless. It has no no value. And there's too many Christians making really poor choices. You know who that always affects is young people. You know why young people want to leave at 18? Because they didn't see anything in the church that was worth keeping them there. They didn't see people who made right choices for a lifetime. You know what I love about Daco? 79 years old. He's as good as when I first met him. He preached in chapel on Tuesday. Unbelievable. Home run. Uh, I came home to Joe and I said, that was as good a sermon as I heard when I was 18 years old from Daco. And I'm not trying to butter him up tonight, and he hate, he's a humble man. But I'm just telling you, if you get to hang out with him this weekend, he's the absolute real deal. And you know what I love? 79, and he's still with his wife. And he loves her. They were over at our house uh, a few nights ago, and he had his arm around Charlene, and Joan and I were like, that was so cool. 
That wasn't a big deal, but they're sitting in our couch, his arm around Charlene and Joan and I are like, man, I hope that we're like that when we're their age. You know how, how desperately we need to see people who live for God for a lifetime? And that's all based on choice. And if you've messed up tonight, you can choose to turn it around. God loves to give back the years the locusts have eaten. The Bible says He can make beauty out of ashes. And maybe you've made some bad choices. They're not permanent with God. You may have consequences. We can't change consequences, but you can change direction. And that's going to be with the choice tonight. Let's close in order of prayer. God, we thank you for these missionaries who are willing to reach out to the Aka Indians. Lord, we read their statements and it just feels like we almost never see people who have that passion and that commitment. But it was just because of the choices they made. And God, as we go home tonight, may we think about our marriage. May we think about our parenting. May we think about how much we read the Bible. May we think about our involvement in church. And God, may we recognize that we can't blame anyone for our poor choices. And God, we can't coast on good choices from the past. God, as we look at Solomon, there was a time in his life when he made a great choice, but he finished his life making terrible choices. And God, I pray that we'd all stay close to you, that we'd recognize that we have an enemy who's seeking whom he may devour. God, help us to make choices that will keep us loving you and living for you for a lifetime. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.